Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. I am going to get into the word of the Lord and pick up where I left off last week, if I can figure out where that is in my notes here. We were talking last week about this beautiful story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, I'm, just, I'm not going to re-preach what I preached last week, but I do want to stress just a couple of things, and that is, number one, that Jesus did never, ever feed 5,000. If you were here last week uh, and heard me preach, you know that that is why we can't take one verse of Scripture and build a doctrine out of it. We've got to get all the other scriptures that speak about that subject, too, to get a complete picture, because the other versions and the other gospel writers, when one said Jesus fed 5,000, the others tell us that it was really just 5,000 men plus women and children, which means there was upwards to 17,000 people that Jesus fed that day. So when you hear the story of Jesus feeding 5,000, remember, it was only 5,000 men and, and then plus women and children. So there was up to 17,000 people that were there. And then we talked about that and how that when Jesus was all done and they picked up all the basketfuls, leftovers. Uh, uh, Jesus had more leftover than when he started. Isn't that awesome about our God? When he is done, there are more leftovers than what he started with. But we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And I left off last week about um, the time when the uh, apostles were in the ship already. I'm not going to re-preach all that. If you did not hear it, by the way, I encourage you to get online. All of our sermons are on YouTube, and you can re-listen to them. Last week's sermon is there. If you're listening to this for the first time, you don't know what I preached last week, I encourage you to sometime this week, listen, get on YouTube, find Maranatha Ministries, UPC on YouTube, and uh, look for last week's message so that you'll better understand what I'm talking about this week. Um, because last week we talked about the fact that the, uh, the apostles were already out on the sea. Uh, they had been sent into this storm. Jesus knew there was going to be a storm. They did not. They had just seen the miraculous. And just because God does something for you, please don't think that from now on everything's just going to fall into place. Because it does not, it did not. And the apostles were now in the ship all on a spiritual high because they just saw 17,000 people get fed on five loaves of bread and two fish. Amen? So they're on a spiritual high, kind of like what we feel like when we walk out of a powerful service. Like, come on. How many of you ever walked out of a powerful service and said, come on, devil? <laughs> I'm ready for you, only to find out you weren't. <laughs> so uh, they are on a spiritual high, and they get in the ship, and the moment they start obeying Jesus, oh, this is not in my notes, but i got to say it. The moment they started obeying Jesus, who told them to get into the ship, go to the other side, I'll meet you over there. The moment they stepped foot in the boat to start their life of obedience, the storms came. Anybody ever experienced that? The moment you make up your mind you're going to live for God, all hell breaks loose against you, hardships come, trials come, things you never thought of could happen start happening, and you wonder, what's going on here? I thought Jesus was going to solve all my problems. So here they are in the ship. So we're going to pick it up here where they are in the ship. 
I'm not going to reread all the verses, and I'm not going to put any verses on the screen today simply because I'm going to be just jumping back and forth between uh, some, of these, some of these verses. So here they are now. They are in the ship. They had been in the ship all night. Finally, Jesus comes. And where we left off last week was this verse in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, where the Bible says, Then he saw them straining at the rowing. He, he knows where you are. You may not know where you are. He knows right where you are. And it said that he saw them straining on the, at rowing, for the wind was contrary against them. And about the fourth hour of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And this is where we left off last week. I want to pick up and talk about this for a moment. And the Bible says he came walking to them on the sea and would have passed them by. He is walking on the sea. He sent them into the ship. He told them to go to the other side. He knew a storm was coming. He saw them in the storm. We talked about that last week. He knew they were in the storm. And when he came to them while they were in the storm, he would have walked right by and left them there. Let me tell you something. When you are in trouble, my friend, when the winds of storms of this life blow and the hardships come, God is expecting you to pray. Go ahead and clap. That's all right. He is expecting you to cry out. He's expecting you to ask. You have not because you ask not. Some people are more busy complaining than they are praying. If you would spend more time praying instead of complaining, you might find your answer. Praise God. Didn't Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, didn't Jesus say, you got to ask, and it'll be given to you? you got to seek, and you will find. How many of you have you ever sought for something? You know why you're seeking for it? Because you can't find it. Because <laughs> it wasn't in the first drawer you pulled out where you thought you left it. Because it wasn't on the table where you thought it was. And what do you do? Do you just walk away? You had that $100 bill, and you've put it somewhere. I know I put that somewhere. I thought I put it in my desk drawer. It's not there. What are you going to do? Just say, oh, well? Are you going to look in the second desk drawer and the third desk drawer and eventually get out of the room altogether and look in the bedroom and look in those dresser drawers. And if it's not there, you're going to get down into the kitchen and maybe you absentmindedly stuck it in with the silver. You're not going to stop looking until you find that. Jesus said, seek and you will find. And too many of us don't spend the time seeking him. And knock and it will be open to you. When you're in trouble, he expects you to call on him. He expects you to pray, not just complain. <laughs> he expects you to pray and not just complain to him. Because that's sometimes what our prayer life is. Oh, Jesus, why this? Why that? I can't take this anymore. How much longer is this going to have to go on? Would you please straighten my wife out? And she's praying, would you please straighten my husband out? Now, which one's he going to answer? <laughs> he, will answer, he will answer both if we would stop praying to fix her and start saying, fix me. Search me. Show me the wickedness of my ways. Show me what I'm doing wrong. 
Oh, that's good, huh? When trouble comes, he expects you to call on him. Now, are you ready for this next piece of information found in this story? The Bible tells us when the disciples, this is Matthew chapter 14, verse 26, the disciples have been battling the storm all night long, fighting the wind, fighting the waves, fighting the, 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 the rain, fighting everything, the, doing everything they knew to do to stay alive, and they were about to go under. Listen to what the Bible says. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they cried out and said, all is well. You're all looking at me like, I'm not sure that's what it says. It does not say that. It does not say when they saw him walking on the sea, they knew everything was going to be okay now. The Bible says, when they saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. They were troubled, the Bible says, saying, it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. Listen to me. I can't tell you how many times God has walked into my life and how many times he's probably already tried to walk into your life, but we were afraid of what he was asking of us. Come on now. We were afraid of the answer he was giving us. We were afraid of the lifestyle he was going to call us to. We were afraid of the commitments he was going to ask us to make. And so when Jesus finally did show up, we kind of held him at hands, arm's length because we were afraid of what he might do. Talking to somebody. We're a little afraid of what he might do. Listen to me. Sometimes the answer that is from the throne of God will scare you. Hear me? Sometimes the very thing God is telling you to do is scary. And it will scare you and cause you to want to recoil and cause you to back away in fear. Sometimes what God wants us to do is scary. But we got to do it. Can you say amen? We must do it. So I'm going to ask you right now, what are you afraid of? What are you, how deep of a commitment are you afraid of? Are you afraid to say, Jesus, whatever you want? Are you afraid to say, Jesus, whatever you say? Can I just preach you for a minute? I hate preaching about this. I never preach about this. I'm afraid to preach about this. God is asking some of you to start tithing and you're afraid to do it. You're afraid to make that commitment of 10 offerings of one thing, but some of you are afraid to make that commitment of 10% of your income, your gross income, putting in that offering place. Some of you are afraid of that. I've been feeling this stirring in me. Mama, how many times in, the, in our ministry have you heard me say anything about tithe? You can count them on one hand, can't you? Because the last thing I want to do is come across like I'm one of those prosperity preachers trying to get more money out of you. But I'm here to tell you something. There's people here for their very first time, and here I am saying this. I'm here to tell you somebody, God wants to get all of you. And one of the best ways to get all of you is to get a little bit of your pocketbook. Praise God. 
The disciples saw him, they said it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But what does the Bible say? Do not fear, little flock. Do what I tell you to do. It'll all work out. Do anything and everything that my word declares. It'll work out for you. Do not fear, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The whole kingdom. I want to give it to you, but I got to know that I have you. Does he have you? Does he have all of you? That beautiful song the songwriter wrote, in my heart are kingdoms of a world that's all my own. Kingdoms that are only seen by myself and God alone. I thought that I had surrendered all, but in the secret corner of my heart, there was a kingdom that did not fall. This is not in my notes, but I'm asking you to search your heart right now. Is there an area of your heart that you have not totally given to Jesus? Give it to him. Give it to him. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I am, how's that song say? I'm everything I'm not. Everything I got, I'm yours, Lord. Take me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. Give your life to Jesus. All right, let's carry on, shall we? Do not fear, little flock. You give your life to Jesus. Guess what his will is? It is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You will, how many of you, how many, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you have found that you cannot outgive God. I have found that to be the absolute truth. You cannot outgive God. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about commitment. I'm talking about church attendance. I'm talking about prayer. You absolutely cannot outgive God. Go ahead. Praise God. All right. All right, Matthew chapter 14, you ready for verse 28? Because you would think, if I was in trouble, and I saw Jesus walking on the storm that I'm in, and I said, hey, it's the Lord, you would think that, I, I would think that I would say, oh, we're safe. We're safe. All is well. But listen to Peter. <clears throat> Are you ready for this? You wonder why Peter, you wonder why Peter got himself into the, some, of the, some of the conundrums he got himself into? Here's probably one of the reasons why. Hey, Lord, I see you out there walking on the storm that I'm being destroyed by. So if that's really you, calm this storm. That's what I would have asked. Calm the storm. Bring peace to my troubled life. How many of you prayed that? Lord, will you fix this problem? Will you, as we said, will you fix my wife, please? And she's praying, will you fix my husband? If he answers both of you, everything's good. Better be praying as hard as your spouse. Don't we do that, though? Can you fix this? Can you get this job for me? Can you get this car for me? Can you take care of this bill for me? Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Can you calm this storm for me? That's what we do. The Apostle Peter did something totally contrary to my way of thinking. He said, if that's really you, don't stop the storm. Show me how to walk on it. 
bid me come to you on the water. If that's really you. What if it's not really you? <laughs> what if it's not really you? And I step out of this boat. If that's really you. I'll tell you why Peter said that. He said that because he already knew the power of God's spoken word. He already understood that if Jesus says five loaves of bread and two fish are enough for 17,000 people, then five loaves of bread and two fish are enough for 17,000 people. And not only is it enough for 17,000 people, but when you're all done, we've got 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Jesus has more in his leftovers than you have in your possession. The leftovers of Jesus are more than what you've got right now. They started with five loaves and two fish, and they took up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Peter understood this one thing about Jesus. If you say it, it will happen. And whatever God says, it will happen. And so he said, if that's you... If you tell me to walk on this water in the midst of this storm and come to you, I will be able to do that because whatever you say can happen. And Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat. You know what happened. I'm sure most of you are familiar with the story. Peter got out of the boat and he started walking on the water. And you would have thought every step he took, his faith would have grown, wouldn't you? You would have think every church service he came to, he'd be more powerful in the faith than he was last week. You would think every time he got down and prayed, he'd be better off than he was before. But that's not how life works, is it? How many of you can think back to a time when you had more faith than you have even today? Peter got out on the water. He took a step. I'm sure he was still hanging on just in case. Felt the water. I said, I can't believe this stuff. It's solid, guys. Jesus said, come. He ain't kidding around. And he stepped off the boat, and there came a time when you got far enough away from the boat that you got to let go, and that's where some of you are right now. Some of you are right there right now. You are far enough away from the boat, but you're still holding on to what you know and what's safety for you. And yet you're trying to walk by faith, one hand on the boat, one hand reaching for the Savior, and I'm here to tell you, sooner or later, you got to let go of that boat. And you got to totally trust Jesus. I'm talking to somebody right now. You need to let go of your boat. You need to put down your understanding, your knowledge of how water works and how this works and how that works, and you need to trust God. And Peter let go of the boat, started walking towards Jesus. Now, you would think every step would increase his faith, wouldn't you? I would. Once I let go of that boat and I was walking on water, I, I, the hard part's over. I'm let go of the boat and I am still standing. I, it's easy. It's easy for me. It's not easy from here because the storm still rages against you, doesn't it? Storm still, the wind's still blowing. The rain is still falling. And Peter started looking around at what was going on rather than looking at the one he was supposed to be walking to. He was looking around at what was going on in his life. And what do you think happened? He starts to sink. 
And when he starts to sink, he does the best thing anybody can do. And I'm here to tell you, there's somebody sitting in this auditorium today listening to me, and you need to do the same thing. You need to look back up to Jesus and say, Lord, save me. Save me. Praise God. I asked for this command to walk on water, and now I'm fearful of it. I asked to follow you and serve you, and now I'm troubled by what's going on, and I'm worried about it. Save me. Praise God. Don't ever think, because you're walking with Jesus, that your sea will never be stormy again. Don't ever think that. But when it gets stormy... Cry out to Jesus. And this same Peter, you wonder why Peter could write words like this? It was from these kinds of experiences that Peter could write in his first epistle. Beloved, don't think it strange the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. How could Peter write those words? Because he understands fiery trials. He understands walking by faith and starting to sink. He understands trying to live for God and failing. He understands trying to serve God and things going wrong. And then he said, don't think it's strange, these fiery trials, but when they come, cry out to Jesus because he will lift you up. He will lift you up. I want to wrap this up here real quick. Many times we falter in the will of God. We step out to do the will of God. And you know why you falter when you're doing the will of God? It's because in the will of God, you lean to your own understanding. Jesus said, come on, Peter. And Peter stepped out of the boat and let go of the boat. And the Bible says he was walking on water as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. But the moment he looked around, and that's what we do, we start trying to figure out how to fix our own lives how to fix our own homes, how to fix our job situations, how to fix our kids' situations. And we start trying to lean to our own understanding, and we forget that Jesus brought us to the place we're at. My friend, lift your eyes off of your trouble and get them back on Jesus. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Because when Peter was sinking, he cried out and he said, Lord, save me. He didn't try to figure out how to swim. He didn't say, hey guys, throw me that life preserver. He said to Jesus, save me. I don't know where you are right now. I don't know what storm is blowing in your life right now. I don't know what hardship you're facing right now. But I do know what you need to do. You need to say, Lord, save me. Don't lean to your own understanding. It's amazing, isn't it? Because when they saw Jesus... Jesus could have just stopped the storm, but he didn't. He didn't. He taught Peter a valuable lesson. Psalm 46, 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. There's an earthquake. Though the mountains be removed, and thrown into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar with foam, though the mountains tremble at its, at its swelling, our God is our refuge. 
I'm talking to somebody right now when I tell you that God is bigger than the problem you're facing, but you're not calling upon him to lead you through. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Let's wrap this up. Who's coming to play? Anybody coming to play? Jen? God bless Jen. What a phenomenal musician Jen is. And Jen, does everybody know? I can say it. Jen is getting ready to deliver. Not ready right now, but <laughs> one of these days. <laughs> Jen is going to be delivering a little boy. Jen and Tim, God bless you folks. Amen. God bless you, Jen. She looks great pregnant, doesn't she? <laughs> Serving God. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're in the midst of the storm and you're all alone. And all those that were with you are safely in the ship. They didn't come with you. You're out there on the troubled sea of your life. And maybe you actually see Jesus, but you're a little afraid. A little afraid. Because what if he does ask me to get out of my boat? What, what, if, what if he does say, step away from your, from, from your safety nets? Step away from your own leaning to your own understanding. Follow me. What if, what if he does say that? What if he does say, let go of what you hold on to for safety, what you're used to? What if he does say that? Some of us are afraid of that. He's waiting for you to call out on his name. Because as I open this altar this morning, I want to remind us, that they were right where Jesus told them to be, and they were in the midst of a storm. And just because there's a storm going on in your life does not mean you're in the wrong place. They were exactly where Jesus told them to be. And just because you're in the midst of a storm, don't think Jesus is going to come and just fix everything. Because he would have walked right by them. He would have, the Bible says that. He would have walked right by him. Hey, guys. See you at the shoreline. Some of us are waiting for Jesus to come and do what we have not asked him to, yet to do for us. Lord, save me. Fix me. Don't calm the storm. Let me walk on the storm. He didn't ask, if that's really you, stop this wind. He said, if that's really you, let me walk on top of the storm. Let me live a life that the storm has no effect over. Somebody needs to ask that prayer right now. Somebody needs to come to this altar and say, Lord, in the midst of my storm, let me walk on top of it. Let me come to where you are. 
I'm not asking you to come to my boat. Let, let me get to where you are. Come and seek the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. If this message touched you, please make sure to subscribe for more sermons from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as follow us on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, and if you are in the area, we invite you to join us during our weekly Sunday service starting at 10.30 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again next week for another anointed message. Thank you, and God bless.